Welcome to the High and Low Podcast. My name is Bravo Bravo Ducking Bravo. I am your host. I have taken a gummy. Because today we are going to do something special. We're going to go back in time. time. Because I know people are out there missing Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Because the season is over. I am going to go back to the year 2020 and give you a dive on Jen Shaw. Disclaimer for this episode, we will be discussing Trump University. We will be discussing scams. We will be discussing companies in Utah that are no more. This podcast is not by a lawyer. I am a person who reads information, makes jokes, and shares that information without malice or bias. I don't give a crap about any of these people. I am reading articles that are written by people who have a slew of lawyers. Articles from New York Times, The New Yorker. I'm reading statements by the Southern District of New York. I'm reading excerpts from court cases. I have no skin in this game. I'm a voyeur, a person looking in from the outside. The opinions stated are my own, and I do have opinions of men who take advantage of other people and women who take advantage of other people. Having said all that, buckle up, get ready. We're going on a dive. It's important to remember that in 2020, Jen Shaw was at her peak on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. She was a bird unlike any other on that show. She was a free spirit. She was fun. And the big scandal on Salt Lake City was Mary. It was Mary and her church and people accusing her of running a cult of sorts. All of that was happening. Mary being mean to people. And so the audience was really behind Jen in more ways than one. Not only did they appreciate that she was eccentric and different and funny and kind of in on the joke and very witty and very personable and very into talking with fans and messaging people and all of that, even if the Shaw Squad stuff was seemed very extra, it was just like, well, she's just extra. That's who she is. All right. I first tagged Jen Shaw in a story hyping up Salt Lake City once I became a fan in October of 2020. Because when they first announced Salt Lake City, I was like, oh, brother, oh, brother, what is this? What is Salt Lake City, Utah going to give us? You know, I was a skeptic. They hadn't won me over yet. But I started watching the season and I started really enjoying it. So I started writing about it and sharing memes about it and funny things. And I tagged Jen Shaw in October of 2020. And it was just very chill, you know, just funny stuff. I can just see through here, like, you know, tagging, tagging this, tagging that. Then in November of 2020, if you recall, she came out wearing that dress that was made out of Biden-Harris political signs. It should still be up on her account. The entire dress, it's like a strapless dress. Koa made it. And it's made out of just like Biden campaign signs that have been folded so they're wavy and they make like a huge like Barbie ball gown. And she had several photographs. I don't know, how, like what kind of life is that that you just have somebody dress you up like a Barbie doll and take a bunch of photos of you? I can't even imagine. I probably have two good photos of me like my whole life. You know what I'm saying? It's just, it's so, in, I, I should just go get professional photos done occasionally because I am, I am envious of that. I'm like, look at that. You got a really good photo of yourself. That's nice. It's just as odd to me logistically to be like, yeah, I'm going to go to work and come home and then I'm going to get dressed up like I'm going to a beauty pageant and someone's going to take photos of me. But anyway, that's what she did. And she had this uh, gigantic, very pro-Biden ball gown. And I remember she was also, when Kamala Harris was trying to be the presidential nominee, she and her Shaw Squad people were out on the streets 
holding Kamala Harris for the people signs. That was in her stories. I remember that at the time. She just made that a big part of her online presence. All right. The next month in December of 2020, someone messaged me and said, hey, have you heard about Jen Shaw working to sell Trump University? And I said, oh, what now? What did I said, what did you just say? I was like, that can't be right. What do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? I was the Jennifer Lawrence hot ones meme before it was the meme. And something like that, that sounds so crazy, sometimes just has to be true. So I logged it away and I was like, okay, I'm going to look into that. And then shown off within the next 24 hours, somebody else messaged and they said, have you heard? I like, I live in Utah. I'm seeing her be so loud about Biden stuff, but she used to sell Trump University. I'm like, hold on now. You're the second person in 24 hours from Utah. All right, pause. Let me, let me go look this up. So I go and I look it up. And I see that it comes back to a company that she worked for called Prosper Inc. And as I'm researching, you know, she's been very, very bubbly, very nice in DMs. And so I I try to go to the source when I can. Like, let's nip this in the bud. So I remember DMing her and being like, hey, I'm hearing something that this is going to sound crazy, but that you sold Trump University stuff. Is that right? I was like, that can't be because you're very loudly you know, like Biden and you're very, you know, sassy about like Trump stuff. And that doesn't seem right. And she was like, oh, no, this is this is all just BS, complete BS. And I'm going to clear this up. And I was like, "Okay, that's well, then, you know, stuff, rumors are the rooms announcing this is so crazy. Right. And I look forward to seeing you clear it up. Okay, have a good evening. Fiend. Now, reminder, it's December 2020. We're in dire straits as a country. We're, We're locked in. We got a lot of stuff going on. So I got time on my hands. And I'm like, two people, two people to tell me from Utah the same thing. And I'm seeing little rumors online. Let me just clicky clacky in my keyboard, you know. So I get on there and I'm typing and I'm typing in and I look on her uh, LinkedIn, which she's since taken down. But back then it was up and it was like, you know, worked for Prosper Inc. from this year to that year. Specifically, her title that she had on LinkedIn was Director Business Development at Prosper from September 2006 through present, which at the time was 2020. So I'm like, well, then she just hasn't updated it because I'm sure she obviously just still doesn't work for Prosper. She just, after that experience, never used LinkedIn again, never logged back in again. So in my head, I'm thinking she probably went to into business for herself after she left Prosper whenever that was. So I remember writing down like a question mark. When did she leave there? I don't know. I'll figure it out later. And I wrote down a question of now, why didn't she make a new LinkedIn promoting her business saying president, founder of whatever she started doing after Prosper? Just nothing, especially because she was so proud of it on the show. She's roller skating around her office. She's got the hula hoop. She's running around with stew chains. She's got her big mic. She's talking to all of her employees. And I'm like, that's odd that you're so hyped about it on the show, but you don't even have a LinkedIn about it. There's really not much I can find about what you do now that's so wildly successful. You went from being BD marketing person to running your own thing. At such a level of success that you're you're running around in the daytime on a Tuesday at 11 a.m. in a Porsche, not stressed. Tell us, what's the secret, right? We move on, we keep researching. Prosper Inc. 
registered as a business beginning in the year 2004. They registered as Prosper Inc. or doing business as DBA, Nationwide Corporate Services LLC, Prosper Learning Inc., or, or Trump University Coaching. I will never forget when I saw that. I'll never forget when I researched very quickly Prosper Inc. and saw that an alternate name that it was known as was Trump U Coaching. I was like, Jen, the jig is up. You got to just own it now. Like, what could you possibly be denying? Former business names, Private Mentoring Group Incorporated. So they were known as Prosper Inc., Nationwide Corporate Services LLC, Prosper Learning Inc., or Trump U Coaching. There's nothing weird about that. Totally normal for a company to be known by that many names like the Cheesecake Factory menu. I think it's fine. That doesn't, that's not a red flag, right? And their website was, well, one of them, was prosperlearning.com. It's now defunct. They also had Prospering. But if you want to own prosperlearning.com, they're willing to sell it to you for $2,495. So now I'm like, dang, Jen, how is that total BS quote in your words? If the company you worked for was known as Trump University, how? And I'm wondering to myself, okay, well, if she was in the C-suite, which just means like the, you know, chief level, chief executive officer, chief operating officer, chief, whatever. If she was at that level, like if she was their, you know, BD person, marketing person, you know, for like a giant company, you can't keep track of every product they're selling or if somebody filed for them to be known as another name or maybe she didn't know. Maybe she just wasn't on the floor and didn't know exactly what was being sold. She's just out there trying to make new business relationships. That's me giving her the benefit of the doubt because she was just like, that's total BS and blah, blah. And we didn't know who Jen Shaw was at the time. So at this point, I'm still just researching Prosper Inc. and seeing that they absolutely sold Trump University. Now, for anybody who doesn't remember what that was, first of all, I envy you. Secondly, it was like, well, first of all, it was a scam. And we're going to talk about why and what it was, but it marketed itself as like a real estate training program course that you could buy. And it was available. They used to have commercials about it. I'll see if I can find one. The company offered courses in real estate, asset management, entrepreneurship, and wealth creation. It was owned and operated by the Trump organization, despite calling itself university. Nothing about it was accredited as a university or a college. It just conducted like three and five day seminars that they called retreats. And it was known for high pressure sales tactics. Many students, students, customers really, complained that they had been misled by the marketing and it was not what they thought it was going to be and that people had, you know, harassed them with their aggressive sales tactics. And so years later, thousands of people who bought Trump University came together and there were two different class action lawsuits. By 2011, the company had become the subject of an inquiry by the New York Attorney General's office for illegal business practices, which resulted in a lawsuit filed in 2013. An article in the National Review that year called the organization a, quote, massive scam. Now, in the meantime, as I'm just starting to dig about all this stuff and trying to educate myself, you know, Jen's fighting them off. She's slaying dragons on her page. She's posting stuff to her stories like, that's all crap. You know, reply to the story like, oh, good to hear. Glad to see that. 
glad you're saying this straight. But then things still weren't adding up. And I was like, I'm just, you know me, like, I'm still just going to look. And then I see Jen Shah leave a comment on someone's comment asking her about Trump U. And here's what she said. That rumor is laughable. I worked as VP of business development slash marketing for a company named Prosper until 2011. Whatever Trump U article some random person is trying to correlate to the same company is dated 2016. I didn't work for the company at that time. Okay, good try, Jen, but it doesn't matter what year the article is dated. So a way to try to like move the goalpost as to what we're focusing on here. Most of the articles about Trump University are going to be from 2016. Why? Because that's when it all came crashing down. People had united. They had bundled all of their issues into class action lawsuits and government agencies were looking into it. So yeah, it's all going to be from 2016. And it was all coming to a head because at the same time, this man is like the front runner for the United States presidency. And so, yeah, 2016 was a, a loud year about it. That doesn't negate what happened from 2005 to 2010. And were you a part of it? So she's saying right then that she worked there until 2011. So that means she worked for Prosper from September 2006 until 2011. That's the whole time they would have been selling Trump U stuff if Trump U only existed from 2005 to 2010. So thank you for confirming the timeline. Why are you being so squirrely? Why can't you just admit it? This is getting weird. Why tell me it was total BS? Now I'm compelled to dig further. And just for reference, as far as dollar amounts, I'm reading that a one-year apprenticeship at the Educational Institute of Trump U was being sold for about $1,500, $1,495. Then a higher tier membership was for over $10,000. And they, then they had gold elite classes that ran for $35,000. And you were supposed to have like access to real estate gurus who would monitor you and expensive seminars, investor workshops, all kinds of stuff like that. And then people would pay this money and not get the things that they were told they would get was what the lawsuits were about. So as I began to dig and see the reality of the situation, I started realizing like, Jen Shah's lying to us. Jen Shah's lying to me, to my face. She, this person is not who I think that they are. They may not be who we all think they are at all. She was going so hard for Kamala. She was going so hard for Biden. But then when I checked, no donations? Not a dollar? And she's running around in Porsches. Not even $10 to a candidate that you're willing to just like have a whole photo shoot for, show your whole butt for online. So I'm digging into Prosper, Inc. And I'm seeing that it was founded by two men. Ethan Willis is one and Randy Garn is the other. These two brosifs wrote a book together called Prosper, Create the Life You Really Want. They want to tell you it's a New York Times bestseller, which is great because back then we didn't know you could just pay to get on that list. Top of the book says, Six Practices to Find Lasting Money and Happiness. This book came out in 2011 and uh, it's still for sale on Amazon if you would like to buy a piece of snake oil history. It's $15.31. All That's a low price to create the life you really want. Here's a description for their book. For many, prosperity simply means wealth. But if you have to drag yourself out of bed every morning to do unfulfilling, uninteresting work, this kind of prosperity comes at too high a price. Oh, the privilege. True prosperity is when there is no conflict between money and happiness. 
the way you make a living is true to who you are. For the past 12 years, Ethan Willis and Randy Garn have helped tens of thousands of people find their own paths to prosperity. They share six prosperity practices that will enable you to create a life that is rewarding, enriching, and renewing. Willis and Garn teach you how to, quote, earn from your core. To start with what you have, clarify what you really want, and develop an action plan that leverages your passions, experience, and expertise. Because this plan is rooted in your deepest goals and aspirations, you create prosperity that is sustainable over the long term, dash, the very opposite of get-rich-quick scheme. You will not simply succeed. You will truly prosper. So this whole time, I've been giving Jen Shaw kind of the benefit of the doubt because I'm like, again, this company could be really big. She could have had no idea what was being sold. But in the reviews for the book, I saw a review written by Dr. Mark S. Albion, author of New York Times bestseller, Making a Life, Making a Living. I'm sure his book's great. And he says, Ethan and Randy have developed a nearly 500 person company that has helped people all around the world find their own path to prosperity. Hold up now, 500 person. 500 person company, that's quite small. That's not very big. You would know the ins and outs of what's going on in a 500 person company. I'm used to working for like global companies, very large firms, not five. 500 is, is, you know what's happening. Want to play a fun game? There are 16 reviews of their book. Out of those 16 reviews, how many do you think were written by a woman? Do, 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 do. Make your guesses. Do, do. Ready? I'm going to give you the answer. None. Goose egg. Then at the very bottom, it says about the authors, Ethan Willis is the CEO of Prosper Inc. BT Dubs. Anybody can be a CEO. You can go start a company right now in the next hour and call yourself the CEO. Moving on. He's also co-author of the number one New York Times bestselling book, The One Minute Entrepreneur. Okay. Then for the other dude, it says Randy Garn is one of the founding members of Prosper and executive VP for new business development. Well, interesting. So if he's executive VP of business development and Jen is VP of business development, then they must have been pretty close if they're both doing business development at Prosper. So she's working alongside the founder. She's got to know everything that's going on. Randy and Ethan were named Entrepreneurs of the Year by Ernst and Young in 2005. And I'm sure Ernst and Young has never made a mistake. As I'm looking up these two gentlemen, I of course check them against Twitter to see what's going on there. Prosper Inc. plus the guys did not tweet after 2009. They're tweeting like crazy, tweeting almost every day, all kinds, prosper this, prosper that. Students say prosperous helped them so much in their lives. And then after June 2009, Nothing. The last thing that Ethan Willis, co-founder, tweeted was on April 30th, 2009. He said, Prosper Inc. stock student sees $68,000 profit in 2009. And as the late great Whitney Houston said, show me the receipts. But I saw that Randy Garn is still out there hustling. He's on podcast being introduced as New York Times bestselling author, this, that. He's still out there working it. He's a Harvard grad, so that's the first thing in his bio for a lot of things. New York Times bestselling author, Harvard grad, entrepreneur of the year, Randy Garn, gives insights into developing deep, meaningful relationships in business. Learn what it means to believe, belong, and become from the master connector. And so he's on like, you know, podcasts and things telling people how to be great. 
They started Prosper, Inc. in 2004. Their stats online say they had 435 employees, less than 500. Their revenue was just under $8 million at 7.96. And so my biggest question as I'm reading about this is, what the heck else does Prosper, Inc. do? So they sell Trump University stuff, which we know is a scam. It's a bait and switch in, t- in its entirety. You're not going to get what you're paying for with Trump University. What else is Prosper, Inc. up to? So I find an article online. I find an article and I find a lot of complaints, customer complaints. The article is fantastic. It's by TheVerge.com, TheVerge.com, V-E-R-G-E. And it's written on June 8th of 2012. The title of the article is Mitt Romney Goes to Scam World, Prosper, Inc. And It's Powerful Friends. Subtitle, One of the Biggest Boiler Rooms in America Has Ties That Could Lead All the Way to the White House. Now, of course, it's because Utah, Mormon, Mitt Romney's Mormon, da-da-da. But the gist is that this article is saying that Prosper, Inc. and many companies like them that say they do internet marketing, uh, lead generation, whatever, are just scams. Hence the title, Scam World, referring to a previous article they did, which is a fantastic article, and I highly recommend everybody read it, talking about this entire wave of companies that say that they do this kind of marketing. All right, here's what this says. The publication of the original Scam World article rattled some cages, and it also opened a lot of doors. We were contacted by a number of insiders. We learned what it was like to sell and what it was like to be on the receiving end of a hard sell. We learned about political climate in the state of Utah and about the donations to state officials and to presidential candidates, including Mitt Romney. People wanted to talk. Some people wanted to talk about Prosper, Inc. The Provo, Utah-based company bills itself as, quote, one of the most trusted names in one-to-one personalized education. It is often referred to as coaching floor or a call center. But the one term that we see used interchangeably is boiler room. In Scam World, we discussed how Prosper partners with internet marketers to sell coaching programs, which are kind of like correspondence courses. So apparently it's big business for just these men, these random men to just tell you that like they're a winner and you should just do what they do. And this article is just detailing man after man after man who says they're great at something. You know, there's a guy named Joe, a guy named Mike, a guy named whatever, and they partner with Prosper. And then they say, like, you can learn directly from me. All my tips and tricks take these courses. And so this article is saying that people thought they were going to be working with these gurus of whatever. But it turns out that they just get like a little course and then it's never enough and they come back to you and they're, you're just in it. You're in the spin cycle at that point. And it says often these things start out with a free session. Don't sign up for a free session. Quote, he offered a free session referring to an ad on this guy's website. So I thought, hey, what the heck? And the guy who's talking is a man named Jonathan Tamar, who this article says is a self-employed web designer in British Columbia who got the full brunt of Prosper's sales team when he signed up for that coaching session on the internet. And so this is him recounting how that all went down to these Verge writers. So Jonathan says, yeah, okay, I'll put my name in this box, see what it's about. Your information is the only currency we have anymore. Hold on to it. The coaching session, it turned out, was a sales call. It was set up to give the impression that I was being invited to an exclusive club and that they would be choosing me. After this first call, 
he realized he had stumbled into a sales floor, but he decided to continue, curious to see what would happen. The interview or coaching session that he was given proceeded just like sales calls that they highlight in a Scam World article. He was asked how much money he had available. He was asked if he had any outstanding debts. He was asked what his credit card limit was. All very odd questions for a course about miracles. Pause. So the thing that this guy signed up for online was for a guy named Dr. Joe Vitale, who still has his own website. Don't go to it. Don't get sucked into anything. And he's known for writing a book called The Attractor Factor. And he appeared in the movie The Secret. Remember when that was really big and everybody was trying to convince you like, you can manifest whatever life you want. Well, this guy started this whole thing about like miracles coaching, miracles coaching. So that's what this is about. He was told that he qualified for a miracles coaching program, that he would be contacted for a second session. It was during that next call that he was given a brief description of various levels of coaching available and dollar values attached to them. He says, I was told that based on my interviews, it seemed like I would be a good candidate for coaching and that my application would now be forwarded to an enrollment director. I was put on hold for a minute or two. And when an interviewer returned, he told me my application was accepted for final approval by said enrollment director, but that he was tied up with someone else right now, but he was going to call me back within a few minutes. I was asked to make a list of three weaknesses and three strengths during that time as well as explain my sense of urgency for making changes in my life. The reason for these questions, a salesman will then use that information that you've provided them for when they detect weakness from the customer. Let me tell y'all a story real quick. When I was 22 years old, I called to see about getting off of my parents' insurance onto my own insurance. And I knew I was talking to like a high pressure, manipulative, cheesy kind of griftery person. This is just a person who had been overly trained in, in like sales techniques. And because my first job out of college was sales, I can spot them. I can spot them so fast. And so I get on the call. I'm like, Hey, you know, I'd really like to get off my parents' insurance. And I reveal the weakness and I shouldn't have done that. And that's where I made a mistake. I said, I just hate being on my parents' insurance. It makes me feel like I'm a burden to them. Like I want to pay for myself in this life. And I just want to see what's the, what the cost of that would be. The cost was so incredibly high that I quickly got humbled. And I was like, well, okay, never mind. I'm fine with I'm fine with being on my parents' insurance for a little bit longer because I got student loan debt. I got other things. I'm supposed to pay rent. I'm supposed to be out on my own with some bootstraps and stuff and I don't have any money. And the person on the other end of the phone was like, but don't you, but you don't want to feel like a burden to your parents anymore, right? And they were trying to use what I said to them against me as a weapon. And I was like, that's not going to work. I have been trained in sales as well. Good day. So just be aware of stuff like that. And if they keep calling you by your first name. But back to Jonathan's experience with Prosper. So he's given urgency, a sense of urgency, a sense of exclusivity that he's special. He's been chosen. He's going to have elite access. And now he gets to find out how this is all going to work. Eventually, the salesman returned, it says, and quoted prices for the various levels of miracles coaching, higher prices than he had quoted in previous conversation. Jonathan was asked, which credit card will you be using? He says, quote, I plainly stated my objections to using my credit cards to finance something as uncertain as life coaching and was reassured that this was my negative programming talking and that I needn't worry because as I changed my inner world, 
my outer world would take care of itself. If that's not a hot load of absolute crap, I don't know what is. When he turned down the offer, he found himself put on hold. When the salesman came back on the line, he seemed to be desperate. He offered him a different coaching program, heavily based on webinars, online material, and resources on topics like trading. And while Jonathan says that he would have been willing to pay maybe a couple hundred dollars for it instead of the several thousand dollars that they were asking, he notes that that had nothing to do with what he originally was curious about, which was the miracles coaching and this whole make your life great. He again asked me for my credit card number so we could get started. And I told him I needed some time to think about it. He told the salesman, hey, maybe I'll sell some stocks to pay for this class, but it's going to take me a couple of weeks to get this money. Then the salesman says to him, the salesman from Prosper Inc. says, why don't you pay for the class with your credit cards and then use the stocks to pay the credit card bill? So Jonathan says, I once again explained, I didn't feel comfortable with that. And then I needed to wait. The salesman then ended the call. And the article says, what about the prices Prosper puts on these programs? People can spend thousands of dollars on Joe Vitale's miracles coaching. What about somebody who has $5,000 in their savings account? And that's the last $5,000 they have. This is presented to them like, this is really going to change your life. This is really going to make a difference for you. That person goes in and spends their last $5,000 and you're left with nothing really, according to this article. Then they talk to a former Prosper sales person. And it says, yes, it's impossible for them to completely confirm that he worked for Prosper because he wants to stay anonymous. But this guy says, I believe him after hearing hours of boiler room sales tapes. His story certainly confirms to their knowledge of the industry. His depiction of the psychology behind boiler room sales tactics is too good not to share. According to this guy, Prosper's sales force was divided into sections for different gurus. There was the some guy named Mike, the guy Joe Vitale, then another guy named Robert. All guys, once a salesperson, let's call him Tom, they're calling him Tom in the article, got someone on the phone, he says, quote, I would start out by reminding you or insinuating that you got online and you looked at Blah Blah's wealth building material. And he said he needed intelligent, dedicated people that are looking to work with the mentors on a one-on-one -on -one basis in order to develop their own personal wealth. Describing the call as an interview for an educational program rather than a sales call that it was. Motivated marks would clamor to prove themselves worthy of handing over their money to this guru. He'd then ask questions of them designed to provoke excitement about joining the program. Often this worked so well that it shocked him. Customers wanted eagerly to quote, Prove to me that they're dedicated and available. I had people giving me their credit card numbers. I didn't even ask for it yet. I had explained to them, I'm not the guy who handles the money. I'm handling the interview process. He said that over the course of the quote interview slash sales call, his questions were to gain the mark. They're calling them the mark, not the client, <laughs> not the customer, the mark. They gain the mark's trust, assert authority over them collect information about them that will later help to close the sale. He said, I'm asking about their life situation, who they live with. And eventually I get into more personal details. What kind of debt are you dealing with? Do you own a car? Do you still owe on your house? Where are your loans? What are they? What kind of credit do you have available to you? Once Tom had the customer's available credit, then they would price the product 
accordingly. The different levels that they give you, those are all based on whatever range of money that you have given them that you are about. So he says, quote, let's say someone's got two credit cards with $5,000 available on them. I would say, all right, well, our lowest level is $5,000. Wow, what a coincidence. Next level up, the medium level where most of our clients end up falling, well, that's going to cost you $8,000. And the higher tier, which looks like it's probably out of your credit range, that's $15,000. Then you just leave it alone for a while. Let that stew in their heads. And the customer comes to trust the salesman with their hopes and dreams. This anonymous salesperson that they're calling Tom also talked about the other people who sold alongside of him at Prosper Inc. He said they were all young and just like the victims that were calling in, he called them victims, that they were undereducated. Tom, this anonymous sales guy, was in his 20s. He doesn't have a college degree and he claims he didn't even really know that he was a boiler room guy. He didn't even really understand what his job really was. He says, quote, it was shocking actually. After learning the truth about the company he worked for, I wasn't aware that the place I was working for was kind of owned by scam artists. The reporters or writers of this article say, how is that possible? And he says, quote, I was pretty strongly indoctrinated by their training. It was very high quality mentors looking to give back to the community by doing training courses for, quote, normal people in real estate, stock market investing, internet businesses. Now that I look back at it, it's obvious that those were buzzwords. At the time, I absolutely thought I was selling real coaching lessons to people. And Prosper was really big on marketing themselves. They got a ton of YouTube videos, unemployed and down, but Prosper changed it all. With the help of Prosper Inc. coaching, a student goes from being unemployed and without an income to making four times what he did at his previous job. Act now and get your free copy of Best Selling Classic, but they spelled it Best Ceiling Classic. Think and grow rich courtesy of your friends at Prosper. The article talks about how this is a not at all uncommon in Utah. Companies like Prosper seem to be a permanent part of the state's corporate landscape. And like any good corporate citizens, they make campaign contributions. Prosper gave the Attorney General of Utah $15,000 in 2008. In an article in Salt Lake City Weekly in April 2009, a reporter named Eric Peterson tallies a total of 187000 $500 in contributions that the Attorney General of Utah received from Utah call centers the previous year. $32,500 of that was from Mentoring of America, a company now defunct, known for Oxycontin and marijuana brownies, as well as ongoing battles with the FTC. <laughs> These Utah companies, man, I just, I never cease to be amazed. But the article says the intersection of politics and scam world doesn't end at the state level. On June 8th, the evening that this article came out in 2012, Prosper CEO Randy Garn joined, quote, some of the best entrepreneurs in the country at a $2,500 per person reception for Mitt Romney. $10,000 per person if you want to get your picture taken with him. The article ends with, according to a 2012 Gallup poll, Utah ranks third amongst the nation's most conservative states. One has to wonder if the prevalence of boiler rooms there isn't the end result of a far-right desire to deregulate every last piece of American life. And says the coaching floors like Prosper say they teach cutting-edge knowledge and skills. They provide a much-needed service that you won't find through traditional channels. Whatever the value of their, quote, coaching, it's clear that the sales staff are predators making money in an especially primitive way by telling stories over the telephone. But they're making money 
And as long as they have the right friends in government, they will continue to use the mystery and allure surrounding the internet to ensnare those who couldn't possibly know better. That is where Jen Shaw worked from 2006 to 2011 before she went out on her own. And remember, we didn't know anything else about Jen Shaw at the time. She seemed like a very successful business person. And I'm realizing she just happened to work for this place that's being referred to as Scam World in online articles. And it seems like they're preying upon people and separating them from their money. And that's when I found something that I did not expect. I suddenly came across articles about an employee in the year 2008 at Prosper Inc. saying that they were waterboarded. Tons of articles, local to Utah articles, about a man saying that he was waterboarded as part of an intense motivational sales exercise at Prosper Inc. So I got my hands on the court filing about it. I'm going to read some of it here. And it says, this appeal arises from the district court's dismissal. Mm, they dismissed it. A district court loves to do that. Dismissal of claims made by Chad Hudgens against Prosper Inc. and Joshua Christofferson, collectively Prosper, for injuries related to the alleged waterboarding of Mr. Hudgens by Mr. Christopherson. Prosper filed a motion to dismiss the complaint, which the district court granted. That's crap. It says, because this is an appeal from a dismissal under Utah rule of civil procedure, we must accept all of Mr. Hudgens' factual allegations as true. The facts in this section are set forth in accordance with this standard. So listen, here's the, here's the situation. Here's what actually he's saying happened. This case arises from an incident that occurred on May 29th, the year 2007. As a reminder, Jen Shaw states she started working for this company in 2006, stayed through 2011, so 2007, she was there. At that time, Mr. Hudgens was an employee of Prosper under the direct supervision of Mr. Christopherson. During the 10 months that Mr. Hudgens worked for Prosper, Mr. Christopherson had engaged in numerous questionable management practices. Specifically, when an employee did not meet performance goals, Mr. Christopherson would draw a mustache on the employee using permanent marker, or he would remove the employee's chair. Additionally, he would patrol the employee's work area with a wooden paddle, which he would use to strike desks and tabletops. Prosper was aware of Mr. Christopherson's actions and encouraged his behavior because it led to increased revenue. Now is a good time to remind anyone that if you ever encounter any hostile work environment, if you're ever harassed at work, that HR is not your friend. Don't trust HR. Don't, don't, I, I honestly, if you were my friend, I would say to you, which you are, don't even F with HR other than get things as much in writing as you can, like write to a colleague or to the boss himself and be like, hey, I just wanted to say, I know I recoiled in horror earlier when you slapped my desk with that 30-pound wooden spoon, but honestly, maybe there's something I can learn from these unique management practices. Is there a name for your methodology? You know, something like that, something to get a confirmation back of like, yeah, that happened on a Thursday. My cat's upset just thinking about it. But there's something called the U.S. Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, eeoc.gov. 
forward slash harassment. There's plenty of places that you can go. Try to get as much as you can written down, forwarded to yourself, personal email. Remember that everything that you type into a Teams chat, a Slack chat, all of that is property of the company. There is no privacy when you are on the mainframe of your company. They own all of it. They see all of it. There's somebody down there working in IT, giggling, reading your back and forth between you and your work bestie. So text each other is what I'm saying. If you're going to make some, you know, jokey jokes about people you work with, take my advice on that. I've never been burned. I've just known people in IT. So back to Prosper. Wow. Sounds like a fun place to work, doesn't it? I can't get over the draw a mustache on employees using permanent marker. That you, I, somebody be bailing me out that night. Somebody be some. If a man named Mister Christopherson was walking towards me with a marker, like he was going to draw a mustache on my face, we're having a bad day. Everybody's having a bad day, but we got to keep going. That's not even. We're not even done. Okay. Again, the incident on May 29th, 2007, it says, Mr. Christopherson asked for volunteers for a new motivational exercise. He offered no explanation to his team members regarding the nature of the exercise. In his search for volunteers, Mr. Christopherson challenged the loyalty and determination of his team members. Mr. Hudgens volunteered to be a part of the exercise to prove his loyalty and determination. Let's do another timeout. Don't give more at work than they're paying you for. You know what I mean? I don't know if these guys were on full commission. I don't know if the sales team was salaried and then got a commission. But either way, don't volunteer for stuff at work. I, just don't. I'm talking to you as a former go-getter. Now I'm a let them go. I'm a no-getter. Then it says, Mr. Christopherson then led his team members to the top of a hill near Prosper's office. Once on that hill, Mr. Christopherson ordered Mr. Hudgens to lay down, facing up, with his head pointed downhill. So he's laying on his back with his head down the hill, face up. Then it says, Mr. Christopherson ordered other team members to hold Mr. Hudgens down by his arms and legs. Mr. Christopherson then slowly poured water from a gallon jug over Mr. Hudgens' mouth and nose so that he could not breathe. Footnote says, this practice is commonly known as waterboarding. Mr. Hudgens tried, struggled and tried to escape, but at Mr. Christopherson's direction, the other team members held him down. Y'all... There's not a boss in the world that could convince me to hold someone down while water is being poured down his throat. See what the mob mentality will do to you? This like wanting to please people at work. This manager is not smarter or better than anyone. They don't know if Mr. Hudgens has a heart issue. They don't like this is so infuriating to read. We got to continue though. After concluding the exercise, Mr. Christopherson instructed his team members that they should work as hard at making sales as Mr. Hudgens had worked at trying to breathe. Like, you're going to scar people for, for a quip? I mean, talk about unnecessary. We didn't need to act that out. 
And this should go into the Hall of Fame as Exhibit A for why we want to work from home. Come back to the office for the culture. The culture. The culture of what? Mustaches and waterboarding? That's a true story. It happened. Look it up. Then it says Mr. Hudgens reported the incident to Prosper's Human Resources Department. Prosper took no action in response to the incident prior to the time that Mr. Hudgens quit working for Prosper. He quit working because the waterboarding incident caused him to suffer sleeplessness, anxiety, depression, and to feel sick to his stomach at work. Yeah, understandable. Quote, because of the distress caused by the incident, Mr. Hudgens has undergone psychological counseling and has suffered physical and emotional harm. No doubt. Now, Prospering still has a Facebook page and it says Prosper, 1,000 followers, helping people prosper since 1999. The address for where Prosper Inc. used to be is, uh, is still up there too. So I went and I looked at the building. It looks like a generic office building and they've got those undulating berms. You know what I'm talking about? Whenever they do like an office building or, or whatever planned neighborhood, they'll give you these berms on the side where they have like landscaping trees popping out of them, but they're like a smooth kind of golf course sort of little hills all around. And so that must be one of the hills where they had him lay. And that's not, it's not nothing. It's probably three, four feet total in height. So if you're laying back down off of that and your head's on the low point, then there's definitely some gravity there. Now, what I read about Prosper reminds me of the movie Boiler Room. If you haven't seen it, it came out in the year 2000. It's a chooch, bro, jabroni, brosif, chads, brads, making massads kind of male toxic movie. But the gist of it is like high pressure sales. It's almost like the next generation of Wall Street. But it's always stocks. I think that makes people feel cool if they make a movie about men screaming into phones about selling stocks. It's not as sexy if it's a miracles course, is it? <laughs> Why don't you be real and say what you're actually selling? That it's like just something silly. It's like Trump University. You're not making and breaking stocks and, and staring at the numbers coming in from the market going up and down. You're just, you're selling poop. And just that kind of culture really permeated like the 2000s. Like the movie The Big Short kind of talks about it too. Like people were just trying to make money. I guess it's always like that. Is it always like that? I'm going to move to the woods. I think it is. Anyway, check out, check out the movie Boiler Room. It feels like that. Ben Affleck is in it playing a DV, so he's great at it. So is Giovanni Rabisi, Scott Kahn, Nia Long is a highlight in it. Vin Diesel is in it. This is before he got sucked into the Too Fast, Too Furious pipeline. Tokyo Drift is the only one I like. So this state filing shows that Prosper Inc. pushed back pretty hard when he filed. And he filed a complaint against Prosper and Mr. Christopherson in 2008, asserting four causes of action, uh, assault and battery, then intentional infliction of emotional distress, and wrongful termination. And then he finally argued that the guy who waterboarded him intentionally interfered with his contractual relationship with Prosper, his company. Prosper filed the motion to dismiss saying, hey, you haven't given us sufficient facts to demonstrate any claims for relief. And it's like, well, did someone need to be recording it? 
Like, my bad. The next time I'm unexpectedly waterboarded, I should gurgle through my gasps for breath for someone to get their phone out and record this so that it's believable in court. Was anybody willing to be a witness for him to say, yeah, that happened? He's not, like, making that up? I don't know what the details were. The district court, it says concluded that Mr. Hudgens' complaint failed to state a claim for common law assault, battery, or intentional infliction of emotional distress because the purpose of the waterboarding exercise was to motivate his team members not to injure Mr. Hudgens. So since that wasn't the goal, that he wasn't being assaulted or battered or whatever. So that logic is, is wild to me. It's, that's a that's a loophole. You can get away with some stuff. It's like I was just trying to motivate my team. <laughs> I wasn't. That wasn't the goal. The goal was to motivate the team, not torture someone just because I tortured someone to motivate the team. <laughs> Come on. And that's why I ended up going to the state level because that's what they got when they went to the district court with it. Now, Mr. Hudgens' lawyers in their filing had argued the very point that the fact that Mr. Christopherson said hold him down. And I want you to work as hard on making sales as this man had worked to breathe while being waterboarded. Showed that he obviously knew he was going to be inflicting stress and suffocation upon someone. They say that Christopherson had a conscious and deliberate intent to injure Hudgens by use of waterboarding. This is so because he believed the only way in which the motivational exercise could succeed was to cause Hudgens to experience the panic and suffocation integral to the purpose and functioning of waterboarding. This is why he directed a team member to hold Hudgens' head in place so that it would not move as he poured water in his nose and mouth. So somebody was holding his head and his legs and his arms? My Lord. And this is why Christopherson did not stop pouring water into Hudgens' nose and mouth until the jug was empty even though he saw Hudgens struggling to breathe. In other words, by consciously and deliberately waterboarding Hudgens, Christopherson exhibited a conscious and deliberate intent to cause an injury to Hudgens. Well, hell, I'm sold. That I'm, you know which team I'm on. Mr. Hudgens' attorney's filings also says that Prosper's management was very aware of the hostile work environment and that Christopherson's team area you could see mustaches drawn on employees and management would walk through there and see that, that they could also see that there were missing chairs and that they saw and witnessed his paddle stuff. Fetish? Dare we call it a fetish? I don't know. Now, despite saying when I told her about it or asked her about it, Jen Shaw said, oh yeah, I'm going to put out a statement. I'm going to say something about this. The only thing she ever said about it was in that comment to you know, a person who wrote to her on her own private page. She never put out like an independent post that I saw or anything like that. It was just like, you know, little comments here and there, but not like a grand statement. Like, hey, if you hear this, here's the truth of it. She just really was like, no, I stopped working there in 2011. But that wasn't the, so what? The whole company went under around that time, it seems. They stopped, they are done by 2011. All this happened in 2007. And they sold Trump University during their duration as a company from 2006 to 2010, it seems. And that's when Trump University was active. So no questions were ever really answered by Jen Shaw. And by that point, I've completely recoiled from it. Like no more, no more tagging, no more giggles in the DMs about hijinks on the show. 
nothing. I'm like, something is off here. And that was end of 2020, beginning of 2021. Three months later, Jen Shaw was arrested. So this whole prosper you, Trump you thing just kind of was there and then forgotten. And there's articles, plenty of articles about this in the year 2008, by the time the lawsuit's been filed and everything. And there's one in CNN Money. It's kind of sad. It's talking about how this guy, Chad Hudgens, sued his former employer, claiming that there was a team building exercise that waterboarded him. And a guy who was the president of Prosper, his name was Dave Ellis, is quoted as saying for this article, according to one witness, a lot of joking was going on. High fives. Then they all went to lunch. Adding that Mr. Ellis was unaware of the outing until Hudgens complained. As for the actual technique, i.e. the waterboarding, Ellis believes the employees weren't channeling Guantanamo, but Socrates, who would dunk prospective students' heads underwater to make a point about wanting to learn as badly as wanting to breathe. You're not Socrates, and it's not 400 B.C., Dave waterboarding. (laughs) No, it was Socratic. (laughs) Then he says, quote, I don't know if sales went up or went down. After the training exercise, says Alice, 56, I do know the response from the team members regarding the allegations. They felt so strong a backlash to the plaintiff. It solidified some of the morale of the team. So what you're admitting there is if the waterboarding did happen, Dave, you're saying, oh, it just was Socratic. They're just you, you know, you've been, you've had somebody hold your head underwater and say, I want you to work as hard as for me as you would to breathe. That's normal. And yeah, all the rest of the team were so irritated with him squealing like that. Really, it really brought us all together. That sounds awful. Here are the important takeaways regarding Jen Shaw. That was a shit show. That Prosper is ridiculous. If you're ever working for a place like that, get the hell out of there as fast as possible. All right. In fact, don't put up with any guff at any workplace. I know it's easy to say like, well, this is my only job right now. Track it all. Get a, get a good like employment lawyer, whatever you need to do if you're being treated in any way like that. But as far as Jen Shaw goes, what I thought was interesting back when I was researching this was she worked for Prosper from 2006 till 2011. They had their big scandal in 2008. Didn't go well for them. Got kicked back you know, with the state court saying like, this needs to be weighed on by the lower court. That was in 2010. By 2011, they were pretty much looking looking done. Jen was out of there. They were doing the book signings and all that kind of stuff, but it seems like the company was in a bit of a nosedive. 2012, the following year, is when the Southern District of New York started looking into Jen Shaw. I remember seeing, and I can't find it now, that she started her own company in either 2011 or 2012. So right after Prosper is when she went into business for herself. And it makes sense because what did she learn at Prosper? She learned from these two guys, jabronis, in my opinion, I can say that because it's America still, the way we know it. These two jabronis were selling books about how to like get rich, make the life you want, be successful. She's seeing them rack it up, get all kinds of money from selling Trump University, all their stuff that they sold, you know, charging people for courses and stuff. So what's her business? Do you remember what her business was? They would charge you 
for courses to understand how to start a business online. So these retirees and everybody, very similar to the groups of people who were interested in Trump University, who would be interested in a course from a guru of some kind on how to make your life better, how to make more money, how to find success, how to start a business. So listen to this. The lawsuits against Trump University, two in California, one in New York, were filed on behalf of thousands of people, some of them elderly, of modest means, who alleged that Trump University lured them into spending thousands of dollars on courses in real estate speculation that turned out to be of little or no value. That is so similar to what Jen Shaw did. But she did it nationally with a telemarketing scheme where you would go online and say, yes, I'm interested in learning more about how to start my own business online. And then boom, your information's in the system and they're calling you and they're working you and you're a lead and you're a mark. And they're like, what are you trying to do, Sylvia? Oh, you want to sell teddy bears for infants. Perfect. Well, we're going to need this to sell you this. Like the whole Jen Shaw thing, if you go and read it, it was like they would get you in the door and then they'd just bleed you. They'd get your credit card information. They'd charge you again and again. They would give you a course. You'd take the course, then you need another course. Well, now you need this in order to do your website. Now you need this. And you're just in it. You're in the machine. And the complaint was that these things were of little or no value, that no one ever really ended up with their own business. Nobody ever got the skills that they were supposed to get. So I think Prosper Inc., my theory is that that was her training ground for what then she went on and did. She saw these two dudes doing this and making this money. She was BD working right next to one of the founders. And she's like, why not me if I had to guess what happened? And why not? If you have no ethics and morals, why not? Like the tactics that were used by people who would sell Trump University. I look at those and I say, did that inspire and help to make prosper what it ended up being? And is it just this crazy cycle of like monkey see, monkey do with all this bad behavior? It says in some instances, they even pressed customers to call their credit card companies and ask for an increase in their credit limits so that they could pay additional hefty fees. And unlike Trump's other businesses, Trump University wasn't a franchise. It wasn't an arm's length marketing arrangement. It was a Trump owned company run out of headquarters of Trump organization at 40 Wall Street in Manhattan. This is from a New Yorker article written in 2016. According to the lawsuit that they settled, both Trump and one of his senior executives, Michael Sexton, who he founded Trump U with, were, quote, personally and knowingly involved with the operations of Trump University. Sexton had an active role in the company's conduct, and Trump personally approved each of the misleading advertisements that it published. One of these ads was for a costly three-day-long seminar. Do you all remember these commercials? I remember them. I'm going to have to find one. The seminar described Trump as, quote, the most celebrated entrepreneur on earth and said, he's ready to share with Americans like you the Trump process for investing in today's once-in-a-lifetime real estate market. And yet, although he approved the company's ads, Trump didn't attend the seminars or even review the curriculum or programming materials used in them. The university ads also claimed that Trump had handpicked the tutors of the courses. This turned out to be a lie. In a sworn affidavit filed in one of the California cases, a former salesman for Trump U, Ronald Schackenberg, said, Based on my personal experience and employment, I believe that Trump University was a fraudulent scheme, that it preyed upon the elderly and uneducated, 
to separate them from their money. The article ends with Trump didn't admit any wrongdoing as part of Friday's settlement, which was clearly an effort to prevent a major embarrassment for the president-elect. Had the trial in San Diego gone ahead, the nation would have had the chance to watch a succession of witnesses explain how Trump University had used false advertising and promises to lure them into parting with life savings. Under the terms of the settlement, every victim will receive restitution, and Donald Trump will pay up to $1 million in penalties to the state of New York for violating state education laws. Now the rest of us won't get to hear from the victims of the Trump scamming enterprise, and that surely is worth a lot more than $25 million to what they call the incoming con man in chief. I read that, that boldness, that unabashed shamelessness of a scam, and then seeing what Prospero was doing. And I think Jen Shaw said to herself, I can do this too. Nobody's doing hard time. You pay a fine if you get caught, you get out of it. Forget BD money. I'm going to make my own thing. When she went to court, to plead guilty, that whole trip with Meredith and Heather where they were like, we didn't even know she was going to plead guilty until she... Yeah. Her statement before the court was, from 2012 to March 2021, in the Southern District of New York and elsewhere, I agreed with others to commit wire fraud. I did this by knowingly providing customer names to people who were marketing business services that had little or no value. I knew this was wrong. I know many people were harmed. And I am so sorry. There are so many correlations that I see just personality-wise, glitz and glamour, fake illusions of wealth and grandeur between those two individuals. And it makes me think about something that I believe, which is that there's like two people in all of us. There's who we think we are slash who we want to be. And then there's who we actually are. And I think... Jen Shaw wanted to be a baller, wanted to be a shot caller, wanted to be someone who was a pillar of society, a la Angie, wanted to be someone who was like, you know, a bastion for liberal politics, waving signs online, spouting off, and yet fleecing the elderly, but never contributed a dime that I see. And who she really was, was like Donald Trump. That's just fascinating psychologically. Something I continue to wonder about Jen Shaw was, you know, she was a likable person. She obviously convinced Heather many a time to forgive her for saying what I think are unforgivable things between, quote, friends. She had a lot of charisma. She reminded me of like a like a Tom Girardi where she could win you over. But, you know, once you see it, once you once the veil drops for a second, it, it's hard to keep buying it, which is why it's so surprising to me that these Utah ladies keep somehow overcame that and were cool with her after reading what she had done to people. At the end of this, I've got a lot of lingering questions. She was so likable. She was so funny. She was interesting. She didn't need to do this. And it's something that befuddles me. Maybe when she gets out and she's trying to sell a book, she'll talk about it. Why did she do this? Why did she feel the need to do this? Coach Shaw obviously made a good living. I don't understand why she felt the need to be a part of this scam, to run this operation. What, where did the money go? Why? For, for labels? To be able to go into a mall and buy labels because you want to get on The Real Housewives? There's no way that back in 2011 or 2012 when she started this, that she thought, 
that Bravo would be coming to Salt Lake City. So that wasn't it. There was nothing going on. There was no reason in 2012 to do this when she started it. I think it was just to see if she could. I think it was just to see like, hey, they did it. I wonder if I can get rich quick too. And that's the danger of books like that and people who are selling you these ideas of like how to get rich quick and all this kind of stuff. If you're getting rich off the back of someone else, you're not getting rich. You're just an asshole, like period. If you're getting rich as a result of you swindling or lying to someone, it's essentially like walking up to a kid and like stealing their piggy bank. You didn't get rich. You're just a dick. You have no skills or qualifications or ingenuity or creativeness that earned you that. You're just an asshole. Sorry, there's going to be cursing in this one. I get mad when I think about grifters. Now, there's a couple of theories online that I tend to agree with, which is that Jen Shaw only pled guilty because Stu Smith, Stu Chains, turned state's evidence <laughs> that he was going to testify against her. And he knew, it, he knew it all. Stu was facing a maximum of 30 years. There's no way he wasn't going to squeak. So the very same way that Donald Trump settled his before they could pull in victims and have a big spectacle of it all, Jen Shaw pled guilty because she was up against them pulling all the victims in, the elderly people she scammed, all the people that worked for her possibly turning on her. It was going to be an avalanche of truth and facts compared to her just being like, I don't want who scam what me marketing. So she pled guilty. And that was, I think, her only path. Now, her attorney said, Ms. Shaw is a good woman who crossed a line. She accepts full responsibility for her actions and deeply apologizes to all who have been harmed. She's also sorry for disappointing her husband, children, family, friends, and supporters. She pled guilty because she wants to pay her debt to society and put this ordeal behind her and her family. She crossed a line and she danced over it from 2011 (laughs) until she was stopped. And she'd still be on the other side of the line, I think, if she hadn't been stopped. Good woman who crossed a line, liked it over there, and wasn't going to come back, is what I would have said. And remember, and another another correlation between her and Trump, not just the buckling, but also the yelling so staunchly about their innocence until they were backed into a corner. Because on the reunion specials on Bravo in March 2022, she said, quote, I'm fighting this. While crying, she said, I'm innocent. I will fight this for every person out there that can't fight for themselves because they don't have the resources or the means, so they don't fight. I will fight because number one, I'm innocent. And number two, I'm going to effing represent every other person out there that can't fight and hasn't been able to. She started selling the not guilty and the free Jen Shaw shirts. Remember that? And Coach Shaw said it too. Coach Shaw said, this cloud will not go away until my wife is vindicated through this trial. And this is back when Heather was saying, I love Jen. I don't care if she's guilty or not. And Lisa Barlow said, Jen told me she was innocent and I believe her. Yeah, definitely believe her and not your own eyes and not your ability to read and not the Southern District of New York who doesn't effing play. Definitely believe Jen Shaw though. <laughs> And for those of you yelling like, she's got bad eyes. She can't even do her own makeup. She could have Jack read that to her. She could have John read that to her. And Meredith Marks at the time said, I'm not the judge and jury. For those of you who may not know this, I live in the United States of America. In the U.S., one has a right to trial 
and is presumed innocent until proven guilty. Meredith, where I come from, if the Southern District of New York is on to you, you done something wrong. As a reminder of what Genshaw did with all that money from the elderly, she financed a luxurious lifestyle. She rented a 9,420-square-foot mansion in Park City, Utah, the one that we were told was the Shaw Chalet. She also had an apartment in Midtown Manhattan, and she leased a Porsche Panamera. Hmm. And if you forgot, the tagline for her second season of the show was, The only thing I'm guilty of is being amazing." Now let's not forget that in addition to her 78 months, her six and a half years, she also has five years supervised release, and she was ordered to pay $6.6 million in restitution and to forfeit $6.5 million, plus 30 or so luxury items, including her handbags, her jewelry, all that stuff. She said before the court, I recognize that some of you lost hundreds and others lost thousands, and I promise to repay. The boldness and the confidence, too, was really surprising for Jen Shaw. It's just, it's just so the opposite, I think, of most of us. So the Federal Trade Commission was looking into people. People had been, by the time they arrested Jen Shaw, they'd already arrested some other people who were pretty high up in this whole national scheme, some people in on the East Coast. So this wasn't a secret to Jen. Like she knew the heat was around the corner, but she didn't stop. She kept doing it. And that's that was cited in the case, too that she was not deterred by Federal Trade Commission investigations and enforcement actions or by the arrest of dozens of others involved in the scheme. Instead, she, all she tried to do was cover it up. She tried to cover up her criminal conduct by telling others to lie and delete text messages, placing businesses and bank accounts under other people's names, and taking steps to move some of her operations to Kosovo. <laughs> What world does Jen Shaw live in? Did she understand technology or how the government works? Oh, yeah, just delete that text message. And then it's like it never happened. But you know what? The world is lucky that she wasn't smarter. Damien Williams, U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York, said, with today's sentence, this was in July when she pled guilty. With today's sentence, Jennifer Shaw finally faces the consequences of the many years she spent targeting vulnerable elderly victims. These individuals were lured in by false promises of financial security, but in reality, Shaw and her co-conspirators defrauded them out of their savings and left them with nothing to show for it. The prosecutors wanted her to do 10 years, but her lawyers asked for a sentence of three, so they split it in the middle and they got six and a half. Her lawyers said that she's an exceptional mother and a good woman who's already been punished extensively as a result of the sins of her past. Her past what? Her current, she was doing it when she got arrested. It wasn't like she did it 10 years ago. They went on to say, though Ms. Shaw admittedly played an important role in the particular fraud in which she was involved, she was only one of many people involved, was not involved in all facets of the conspiracy, never communicated with any of the victims, and she clearly did not invent this particular fraud, her lawyers wrote, nor was she a mastermind. Y'all... She could have gone in for 30 plus years. She got six and a half. That's real good. Again, my theory is that Jen Shaw worked for Prosper for a long time, had a vantage point from the top, saw how it worked and said, why not me? She made a couple of key mistakes, which I'm going to talk about in a minute. But I think she always knew what they were doing. That's my opinion. 
Do I think that Jen Shaw thought anybody would ever find out about it? No. The Bravo sphere is continuously underestimated. Another article says, the morning that Mr. Hudgens said that he was waterboarded, thought he was going to drown, his team was calling on behalf of Trump University, pitching real estate instruction to people who had attended a Trump seminar. So there's no way that she didn't know about the waterboarding incident. It was too small of a company and too big of a deal in Salt Lake City in general to not know about it. There's no way she didn't know that they were also known as Trump University. She's working BD. She's working alongside one of the founders. And that's one of the company names. And that's one of the main things that they do is sell Trump University. So again, I think Jen Shaw is just one of those people who says one thing, but in real life does another, says that they're about one thing but at the end of the day, has no scruples and will just get theirs no matter what the cost. Here are the big differences I see between the men who do this successfully and get away with it and Jen Shaw. They were loud about it. They paid taxes. They were above board about it. They made political donations. They wrote books. They went and networked. They tooted their own horn like crazy. They made YouTube videos. They went to political events. They were part of the community. They were seen as someone who was a job creator. They touted their Better Business Bureau A rating. They had 270-something complaints online, but they said they would handle those when they came in. There's a little website that says, you know, prosper complaints or whatever, and then there's a little green thing that says, like, this has been handled. Has it? By whom? What happened? Because obviously there were still people that were disgruntled. I don't know. But online, says handled. Jen Shaw, on the other hand, never added another thing to her LinkedIn. It was sort of in the shadows. She wasn't on the front page of any papers. She wasn't starting a nonprofit. She wasn't hobnobbing with politicians. And I think the biggest thing legally, not a lawyer, but if I had to guess, was she got real big with it. Having a mom and pop shop in Utah where you're trying to sell people a bunch of stuff that isn't yours, but isn't legit, on behalf of a guru of some kind is one thing. But to go national with it across multiple states seems like another caliber. To me, it's as if she saw something, saw how well it was working and thought, I'll do you one better. I would be very interested to have a lawyer's perspective on what set Jen Shaw apart from the founders of Prosper Inc., from a Donald Trump who cut a check and got out of the heat to what Jen Shaw did and she couldn't get out of it. If she had had access to those kinds of resources, could she have cut a check and been free? If she had made the right friends in the right political offices? But she tussled with the Southern District. They wouldn't have cared who in Utah she donated to. Again, if I had to say what the biggest failure was, it was not keeping it central to Utah. Because it seems like the MLMs and the scams thrive if you keep it local and you pay the right politicians and you're seen as some great pillar of the community instead of a scam artist. Maybe if she had done that, but the minute you take it national and you have call centers in New York and New Jersey, it turns into something else. And then the degree to which she scammed as well. Yeah, there's tons of other scammers. She hit it pretty hard, though. Like, she had a 10-year run. That's a long time. That's a lot of money. Where did it all go? You know, like, the, the people at Prosper, 
They started that LLC in 2004. Who knows when they really got kicking with it? They were at their peak around peak scam time, 2008, and they're pretty much done between 2011 when Jen Shaw left. Probably a lot of other people left that year too. And the last complaints about them online I see are dated 2013. So they only had a run of like seven, eight years maybe, depending on when they got really started. She beat that record. So that's something to feel good about, right? <laughs> I saw the two guys scamming and I said, I can scam harder than that. And she did. But that's it for me. I hope you enjoyed that dive. I really do. Bit of a sober one, not as fun uh, and light as some of the others, but informative. And that's what a dive is. We just dive into information. And hopefully we learn something along the way. What I got frustrated by, though, is I can't find what happened to the man who says he was waterboarded. I don't know if there was a settlement reached, and that's part of why it prospers no more. I don't know if it just got dismissed again and went away. I can't find any kind of legal trail about what happened. So if anybody's listening out there and you're like, oh, yeah, that was my brother. Here's what happened. Is he all right? Did he get paid? I hope he got paid. Next pod will be about whatever hijinks the ladies in Beverly Hills got into. And there's another dive coming on the Marco Marco situation with Erica. I'm seeing all the Hulu part two stuff. You know, Hulu part one, I feel like they really botched it. The housewife and the hustler. Remember they had Danielle walk out from Jersey. I was like, what? I was like, excuse I was like, is that Danielle? They really botched that. Whoever made that choice at Hulu, if you're listening to this, you botched it. That was such a record scratch. We'll see what they do with part two. They bet not start it with some random ex-housewife walking out on stage in silence, which is the click clack of their heels. But as you giggle about that, please subscribe to this pod. Tell a friend about it. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. That's where I'm going to drop a bunch of receipts for this particular dive so you can see stuff as you're going through it. And just to recap some things that we learned in this dive, don't fill out any forms that say free course, try this. Just realize that that's a hook dangling under the water with bait on it. And you don't want to get on that line. If you feel like someone has scammed you, reach out to the Federal Trade Commission, FTC. If you feel like you're being harassed at work or that you have a hostile work environment, record it, get it all recorded and report it. Don't trust HR. Sorry to anybody who works in HR. I don't trust you. And if somebody wants to sell you something that they say is going to change your life, and all you have to do is give them $29.95, and you think to yourself, for $29.95, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to start this course. I'm going to learn how to be a millionaire. I'm going to get myself together. I'm really going to take control of my business aspirations. This is too good to be true. This has got to be a scam. It probably is. (laughs) 